Welcome to Dr. Cindy Speaks. Regular musings and reflections on politics, current events, and life as a congressional candidate. Dr. Cindy Banyer is a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, our community. She's running for the people of Southwest Florida, trying to flip Florida 19 from red to blue. Listen as she speaks truth to power and gets real about being a mom and a candidate. Hello, everybody. Dr. Cindy Banier here for Dr. Cindy Speaks. I am a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, and our community. And I am running for Florida Congressional District 19. That's Southwest Florida, Boca Grande, all the way to Marco Island, the coast, the Gulf Coast of Florida. And I am so happy to be uh, running to represent my community and to be their voice and be the servant leader that people in Southwest Florida deserve. And today we are recording this on July 2nd, 2020, starting at 6.14 p.m. Eastern time. So we are here today. We have another special guest. Today was a special day. We did a two for recording. So in case you are listening to this at a later date, uh, I have a brand new guest with me this evening to talk about the city of Fort Myers and what she wants to do to improve the lives of people here. So our guest, uh, Diana Geraldo, is going to be calling in so she can call in there. And as soon as we get her on the line there, we're going to let her come in. Um, Let me just start while she's getting that ready to tell you a little bit about um, the history that Diana and I have had. Um, We both have been around town as bike and pedestrian safety advocates, making sure that our streets are safe for everyone. And it looks like we got her in studio here. Diana, can you hear me? Yes, Cindy, I'm here. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Nice to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining me on Dr. Cindy Speaks. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. It's a privilege and and also super excited to be here today. Yes, and I am super excited for you and your run for Fort Myers City. I am so excited and proud, and I know that you just jumped in here recently. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why it is that you decided to run for city council? Well, Cindy, this was something that I gave it a lot of thought, and yes, I signed up uh, um, the day before the deadline to qualify. Um, it came from uh, in, intention and inspiration. Um, as you know, I was a city of Fort Myers employee for eight years in the community mm-hmm. development department and um, until 2014. And now I'm in the private sector, also practicing community development. Um, mm-hmm. And I have seen the direction of the city. Um, doesn't mean that it's going good or wrong, you know, but... Um, mm-hmm. There was, there has not been, uh, there's no strategic plan. We haven't had a strategic plan in 10 years. And uh, Ward 6 hasn't had the attention that it needs. It's one of the largest wards in the city of Fort Myers. And um, there was a lot of um, discontent in the community. And I just said, okay, I can sit here and just hold my breath, or I can jump in and do something about it. I have the experience, uh, the qualifications. I'm I'm an architect. I have a master's in management. Obviously, my experience in the city and being outside the city. And I have leadership skills, uh, being being the president and co-founder of the local nonprofit um, Streets Alive of Southwest Florida. So I have the tool belt ready. And I thought, you know, it's coming from a good place. I'm super excited. And why not? I can be the change that we need. Absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, we do have that shared background in community development. And you've been on the technical side of it. And I have been on the civic engagement side of it in my world and the organizing uh, component of it. And I love that. And I think that we need more people like us who are committed to community development, community service and organizing to get things done. And I also think it's fantastic that you have the additional technical side on government because 
what I have been really dismayed with recently is that people are getting elected for ego, for image, and they don't really have the skills to govern. And that's a problem for me. What do you think about that? Yes, Cindy, absolutely. And, and this is a conversation that I have had with many of my supporters and organizations that have reached out. Um, there are so many people that have the will to serve and, and I think that's fantastic, but uh, you need a, a different set of skills than just the desire to serve or, or some uh, certain type of experience that might not be well aligned with what it requires to be, in my, in my case, a city council person. Um, and I think that the issue of that, like you say, it could be ego, it can be image, it can be someone that really trusts you and they want to elevate you and they think that you can be that person that can take that job, but that this is not necessarily means that um, that is what the city needs and at this mm -hmm. moment, um, from my perspective. And the other part of it is that we have a large percentage of the population that are Latinos and we mm -hmm. should have representation of the fabric of our community at the city level. Currently, I serve in the city of Fort Myers mayors um, uh, diversity and inclusion advisory committee and and that's one of the top topics that we have discussed so yes it, it takes a lot more than the willingness to serve the community for sure yeah absolutely and and let me clarify too that i do think that there is a lot of space for a lot of different types of people in service but i think there needs to be the commitment like you said to serve and i think that we do need people who have skill sets that can contribute and lots of different skill sets can contribute but i feel like we're overly represented at this point with people who are in a handful of industries i think in southwest florida there's a lot of folks in development and real estate um, who are in key leadership roles and that really shapes the way that these councils and commissions work but i want to talk a little bit about your experience like you just said on that uh, the mayor's diversity committee. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you think it's been going? Well, Cindy, um, that actually came from uh, community kind of coming together. I was appointed to the committee in 2019 and it's coming along pretty well. We have made some recommendations to the city of Fort Myers. Uh, the city manager has responded about those, um, the request of integrating uh, policy and system change in the city operations when it comes to diversity and inclusion. However, this 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 committee is specifically um, part of the mayor's office. So um, while we have made substantial pro uh, progress and we have made recommendations and there's some momentum going ahead, um, as you know, the mayor is not longer going to be the mayor at the end of this year because he's running for another position. So uh -huh. we might not have the ability to still be uh, in the position of advisory unless a new mayor really wants to take it on. Right, and and of course, Randy Henderson is the, the current mayor, but he has uh, stepped away and will resign at the end of this term. I believe, is it Terrilyn Watkins is serving as mayor pro tem? Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, and kind of filling that role. But we also have kind of an interesting way that our city works. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting to have that committee be part of the mayor's office because our mayor is, you know, quote unquote, a weak mayor, meaning that they serve primarily in the role of the chair of city council rather than the way that it had been prior to when uh, Henderson came into that role, which is a strong mayor, meaning that they are both the city manager and the chair of the city council. Do you think that having that office specifically attached to the mayor's office or that committee attached to the mayor's office um, leaves it specifically vulnerable to both political influence and, and you know, continuation? Um, I think so. I and, and here's the thing, this, this kind of came from the mayor's office. It was like community coming together in the mayor's office. So it's kind of up in the air where this is going to go. And, and honestly, there has not been a formal commitment from anyone in the city saying, yes, we're going to continue having this on. 
Um, so it's, it is a challenge. I, I really don't have a comprehensive answer, but that's just the perspective I have. Well, I can appreciate that, and I will. I will give my opinion on it because it is one of my competitors in this race, um, and I know uh, that it kind of came up as part of this. You know what I might describe as a. a meager attempt at community inclusion, particularly with the the Midtown project. And I have not felt like it was a really significantly committed project. And I know that actually when um, Henderson started to run his uh, May, uh, congressional campaign and he came out with some pretty incendiary racist comments particularly around uh, members uh, female members of Congress uh, Ilan Omar uh, in particular um, there was some folks that were on that committee that were very upset about it and were considering you know resigning or something like that and I'm not going to put you in a position where you have to comment on that unless you want to but for me I felt like I would have liked you know, maybe a little bit more um, specific actions related to fortifying that committee as something that was going to have meaning beyond what seemed like a really superficial outreach to the community to kind of smooth over relations for things that they wanted and potentially even for his congressional run. Right. And, and if and you don't want to comment, thing, that's okay. No, well, the... the <laughs> And, and, and thank you for opening that opportunity for me to say something. The only thing that I can tell you, and this is my personal opinion, is a, as a member of that committee, I could have taken the um, opportunity to leave because I felt um, offended just because it, it just the, the actions of what we were trying to do didn't match the actions of of what happened, you know, with the, you know, with the video and everything else that became so controversial. But uh -huh. as members of the committee, we are representing diversity and inclusion by stepping away as committee and, and walking away from this very important task. Then we're walking away from the community. We're walking away from representing diversity and inclusion, and we're walking away from being the change. So we felt that it was important that we stay strong and really provide as many tools as possible uh, moving forward in hopes that, that we really can turn the page and, and, and incorporate some of our ideas and, um, and actions uh, in the city of Fort Myers to um, represent and protect the employees, the residents, and the tourists that come to the city. Well, great. And I can appreciate that. And I know that the folks who are serving on that committee, they are coming to it in earnest for change. It's really just the intention initially that had me a little bit like wondering. No, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. no, and I, and, yeah, no, I, I and I understand. But, you know, we couldn't we could not get fixated on something that we dislike so much that we're walking away from the real intention and purpose of that project in that community. Absolutely. Well, I absolutely appreciate that. And, you know, it's actually something um, long standing for me in this community in Fort Myers is I have been really wanting to see more meaningful engagement with our community. I feel like there hasn't been a heck of a lot of places where ordinary people can have their voice heard. And I remember very poignantly, um, it would have been probably 20. 12, 2011, as part of my advocacy work through uh, Bike Walk Lee. Um, and I had been this kind of little participatory person wanting to get everybody civically engaged. And, and I had had a meeting with the mayor and I was saying, oh, you know, we need to have these kind of community forums and we really need to have people involved early on in the process of designing initiatives and things like that. Not at the end. Right. Not like, here's our plan. Do you like it or not? Like right. <laughs> way before we get to that point. And I just remember very distinctly, you know, him going, oh, well, that sounds like a nice idea, but I have no idea how we would get people involved. And then I don't know what we're going to do if we do. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> I think we should still try. <laughs> but um, I would love to see. Uh, you know, better processes around some of these things for engagement. And I know that there are groups around our community that are uh, interested in that as well. So do you have any thoughts on how we might get people more involved in, you know, 
governing our city and getting things moved in the direction that people in this community really want them to? Well, I, I, I do think that the part of that just goes back to the, the diversity and inclusion. More and more, I, I talk to um, a lot of uh, young, young people that are in high school or just graduated and they're going to college. And, and they feel like they're not part of the equation, that they're not being included, that nobody's listening. Um, and then okay. when, when you get their perspective and they're, um, they're so open-minded and, and wanting to learn and wanting to be involved, um, I think that fostering the relationships with them, the younger groups that are super engaged, I mean, is, is the transition from I want to say uh, millennials and then the younger generation that comes be, you know, after them and don't ask mm -hmm. me what's their name, you know, like the, the Gen Z or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I can't keep up with all the names. Um, there is a big <laughs> shift. Absolutely. And then the yeah. younger ones that goes, you know, they go after that, they're super engaged. So I, I think we have some momentum to try to get that organized, but we have to bring them um, as part of the equation. We have to, rather than creating new groups, seeing the groups that they're already part of and seeing how we can incorporate mm -hmm. them in, in some of yeah. these, um, even advisory committees at the city level. If you go look at the advisory committees at the city level, which is a good platform for engagement, um, there's a lot of openings, but there is also a lot of um, uh, people that are in specific industries and, and the decisions, people don't, and the community may not have the time and the ability to serve. And then these committees always happen at the time that everybody's at work. So how do we okay. open a platform so younger generations get included so we don't have to generate different groups so we can find common ground in the advisory groups that the city has and, and these groups that are already formalized in our community. Um, I, I, I do think there's an opportunity to connect the dots. Don't ask me how right now, but, but I see that as a vision. Yeah. Well, I will tell you what, I, I know that there are a lot of those advisory groups, but I will tell you, I've applied for about six or seven of them over the years. And I never heard back from anybody, not like a receipt letter, not like a phone call, not an interview, nothing. And well, so I, it makes me wonder how many people are like me who thought that they would want to get involved in serving on one of these committees was a way to do that. And then it never got any response. And, and what you say is really interesting, uh, Cindy, I have... Um, I was part of the Bicycle Pedestrian Advisory Committee long, long, long time ago. And we lost people left and right, and we provided a, a, um, advice to council, and we just kind of never felt that there was like a, a, a real uh, structure way of passing the message, keeping uh, kind of projects on track, organizing like no database. And mm -hmm. if you look at the committees, which I go to some of the meetings and, and, I'm, and I'm kind of up to speed with what happens with some of them, every committee kind of has their own structure and way of uh, addressing their meetings and where they meet and the time they meet and the format they meet and how they cut, track their communications and, and action plans. So mm -hmm. when one of my platforms, when I'm, you know, being part of, uh, you know, as being the next councilwoman for Ward 6 at the city of Fort Myers is really to do a system change and policy evaluation. And I think it goes as far as being able to look at some of these advisory committees and how they're working together for the benefit of the city. And that includes an open and, and, and transparent platform that other people can access. And, and, and that's one part of it. Now that we have had COVID and a lot of the meetings aren't happening, we could be having the Zoom meetings, but when you open that platform in addition to the in-person meetings, I think that there is an opportunity to get more people to participate. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, that idea of, you know, getting it, a little bit more, you know, systematized so people will understand how to c 
connect and, and there's continuity. And you just said two of my favorite words, which are systems change, like hyphenated and evaluation. So I am 100% on board with that. But let me uh, hear a little bit more about what else you want to do. So what is your vision for Fort Myers? What do you want to contribute as the next councilwoman for Ward 6? So, so there are two things as my responsibility as, as the council, next councilwoman for Ward 6. One is the services that we can provide to the community of Ward 6, the level of service. Um, as you know, part of Ward 6 was annexed to the city. It was part of the county before. And, and I was actually working at the city with some of this, when some of, of this transition was happening. And, and the city has grown so much in 10 years that some of the studies that we had, um, you know, that are from maybe 2005 or something like that, um, are, do not meet the needs of what we have today. So the services that we're providing at the city level, the infrastructure, especially for um, the water, water pressure, quality of water, you know, maybe some environmental concerns, traffic and connectivity, uh, as the ward is concerned, we have to really evaluate that. So, and, and also address the um, communication system between the citizens and the city of Fort Myers as an open platform. Because when you file, you know, you have a complaint or you have a case and you want someone to follow up, there is this, this uh, CRS, Citizen Response System. So mm -hmm. say that I call the mayor's office because I have an issue and then the mayor does not respond directly. They open a case, they pass it to staff, the staff contacts me, we handle it, quote unquote, and then they respond in their own system and just tell the mayor, yeah, we took care of it and that's the end of it. Um, so when you look at that system, first of all, it's not transparent. But second of all, when we're looking at the infrastructure of the city of Fort Myers, if we already are collecting this information, this information that cannot be gone into the internal database that they keep track of and they just put a check mark right next to it. We have the ability to track this information. Mm -hmm. If the complaints, if the issues, because we're talking about infrastructure and level of service, they're all are guided to, uh, you know, maybe it could be water, it could be a road, it can be, uh, uh, you know, environmental concern. We have the ability to track this by, by incident, the type of incident, and the location of the incident. This will give us the ability to see as a word that maybe if we have the same issue over and over and over in a specific area, we need to go back to policy and see, are we still doing the same thing over and over and over? I'm going to give you one example. It's just going to be one of them. So, so let me back up for a second. If we do that, we can actually input this information on a map and we can see heat areas where we have to stop scratching our heads and putting band-aids on it, but go back and look at the system, look at the policy and see how we can address it. I believe that model, if it's, if it's, if it's managed, can be moved to a, um, a citywide system. Obviously, yeah. it will be silly for us to just focus on the ward. But, you know, as the councilwoman, I'm super interested in seeing something like that take place. Um, yeah. And so we have the ability to actually evaluate the budget based on that. When you come yep. into a city council and say, I'm going to balance the budget. I mean, I can balance the budget all day long in one leg. But if <laughs> we're going to put band-aids, we're never going to be able to go back to the issue. So my specific example, because then I get uh, I get up into the air and, and don't um, <laughs> tell you what the example is. Um, the city of Fort Myers, I have filed um, a couple of complaints about completion of um, multi-use path and sidewalks. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was actually advocating through Streets Alive, the nonprofit that I lead, uh, complete a multi-use side uh, uh, path on Six Mile Cypress and the corner of Winkler that connects at ton of children to two schools that are around the corner. It took mm -hmm. me four mm -hmm. years to make that happen, but I stayed on it. The, the multi-use path, the sidewalk, multi-use path and Palomino, same thing. So here's what happened. 
I filed another complaint because we have a development around the corner that is almost finished and the sidewalk is not installed and they already put their landscape, their driveway, they're almost done with the buildings. I found out, and this is something that has been going on forever because it happened when I worked at the city. Um, the developer paid in lieu of building the sidewalk. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Rather than them building the sidewalk, they give the money to the city and the city is supposed to put the sidewalk. Well, hmm. this is what happens. That money goes to the general fund and it just becomes like a slush fund that goes anywhere else, but is never earmarked for connectivity and, 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 and transportation. So I will likely have the developer finishes the project. They did what they told that they could do, right? And then they leave. And then the sidewalk is never installed. If you were putting that development there, you could not get a certificate of occupancy without putting the sidewalk. So mm -hmm. what the issue is that it's actually on a city ordinance that you could pay in lieu of. Mm -hmm. That has been an issue forever and it continues to be an issue. So that's a system change. And when you have connectivity and traffic problems that are documented over and over and over and they go on a piece of paper and they disappear and is not being tracked, then it's yeah. really kind of hard to know this. I know this because I used to work there, so I know that is a, a big problem. And, mm -hmm. and so that's just a, a one example of many, I'm sure, that are out there. But that's beautiful. That's a really good example. I bet you there are so many people in our community that don't even realize that that's a thing. But what it sounds like to me is that that is actually a, a disincentive for our government to even hold them accountable because it's better to have dollars that go unrestricted into the general fund and have that developer pay and then nobody has to worry about building the sidewalk. Right. I mean, it right. seems like it's so rife for issues um, right. of noncompliance. And, and I know that that, you know, from from the advocacy work that I had early on in, in Bike Walk Lee is that there is not a lot of love in our city council or our county commission for building bike walks and paths and things like that, because there is a lot of things that go into that. So yeah, I can and, see and how I, that can be a problem. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and let me and let me say uh, uh, something to that effect, Cindy. Uh, being in the community development world, many people go back and they blame the developer, saying the developer came and they did this to us, and then they walked away. And in some cases that may be true, but in so many other cases, it isn't true. They try to do what they, you know, if it's in the code, you're allowed to do it. So you right. can't blame the developer when you have weak policies that allow for these things to go on. Then the, the other part of it is, I want to clarify, some of the council, current council people um, uh, are really on board on having this connectivity address. Because this is this is not just a matter of safely connecting our children to schools and communities to places of worship, the grocery stores and such, uh, without having to use their car. Um, so it's not just a matter of safety, but this is an economic development incentive mm -hmm. to have in every single city in the entire world. So I, I speak to them regularly. I'm very involved. And, and there is a shift in, in that. Uh, as far as Ward 6, we have this unique, we are very unique and we're one of the newest wards and we have this ability to make it amazing. But our current leadership on Ward 6 has not, does not think that if we have a sidewalk across the street and corners, then that's sufficient. If we are unable to walk the streets where we are representing our community, we will never be able to get it. But I'm going to say that that 80 percent of the council is on board to to try to 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 minimize these issues with connectivity, which is what drives me a little crazy. Yeah. So I, there's one other question I have for you on that is that the other thing that I remember about some of the pushback for these connectivity components was that there are some people who are working in the administration who think we are already done. 
that we already have complete streets and we don't really have a lot of work to do. What do you think about that? Well, well all right. Oh, good. you're opening <laughs> the door for me. I'm diving Hi. in. Well, this is the world that I live in and this and it is beautiful because I get to experience that world in my in my um um my current job as the economic develop, I mean, as the uh, business development director for E3 Building Sciences, which is my company, and we focus on sustainable development solutions and green building efficiency and things of that nature, but also with Streets Alive, which is all about recreating places for cyclists and pedestrians. The city of Fort Myers has not had a bicycle pedestrian master plan since 2008. Mm. And they never follow the 2008 bike pad master plan. I was in the city of Fort Myers when this was being developed. I helped develop that uh, part of that plan and talking about walkable communities and all that. We had a, a mayor's challenge. We did all kinds of things. And that goes on someone's shelf because nobody really wants to take the time to follow through with it. Um, and this has been so much... Um, uh, turnover at the city, especially in the engineering department, that you have somebody and then you're working with that person, that person leaves and nobody knows what's going on. The bike pet advisory board uh, uh, really does not have a structure and you can't blame the board. The city has to provide the structure and it just became so dysfunctional that I don't think that they have been meeting regularly. So that on its own is an issue. Every time I hear from administration that we are the most complete, you know, uh, complete streets community in the entire state of Florida. I want to see where that's at. I I know that. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I know that in the newer areas, that's the that's the thing. But when we we, we have to go back and look at the infrastructure in some of the areas that are slate for redevelopment, in some of the areas that are already settled there, unless. Um, they're doing other type of work. Uh, they're not going to address the connectivity. So okay. right now, the city of Fort Myers is actually working on their bike pet master plan. Um, the person that's managing the transportation, the engineer that's managing the transportation uh, division there, um, is very understanding and supportive of complete streets. And you kind of need a champion inside that really, truly believes in that. And we have been working collaboratively with them, but it's taking a long time for us to get there. But baby steps, so we're, we're moving forward. So right now, there is actually a survey online that I don't think that has been well publicized, and that's the other issue. How we reach out to the community is a problem at the city level. And I say how we, because I feel so much part of the city of Fort Myers as one of the leaders of the community. We, our ways of reaching out to the community, we're falling short. We cannot mm -hmm. expect the community to chase the city, right? right. Oh, I, I have been told that I, we, I have a crowd that follows me, and if they don't follow me, then they will not know. That, that's not the way it works. My community and all the communities around, they have homeowner associations, they have coalition groups and stuff like that to try to manage, you know, the communication. So if somebody does the research and then they find it, then can share it with everybody else. But I talked to them about this um, bike pet master plan if they have received the survey because it's on a map and you click, click, click on it. Nobody knew anything about it. And so I've been sharing that survey so people can complete it. But when you look at the actual survey, there's very minimum involvement from the community altogether. Um, so they don't know, and we don't know how to deploy those resources. We have to find different ways to get to the community. Yeah, I absolutely love that and appreciate that. And that's something that I've been advocating for for a while, too, in our city and in Lee County as well, because I think you're absolutely right. You cannot expect regular, everyday people to 
be able to understand where exactly they need to interact or how they can or, you know, only typically the, the most vocal and upset and pissed off people are sitting there at the city council meeting, right? Like, so we have to kind of get out of this mindset of like, they'll just come or that if people aren't, you know, up in arms about it, that everything's okay. That's really not good sound community development practice. And I would love to see further development of that. Um, And I really think ultimately that that will make our community a better place. The more voices, the more input uh, that we have, the better we are going to be in the long run. So I I appreciate you um, thinking in that space about how we can improve our, our city in that way. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So let's take a, a turn. So because clearly both both of us having this kind of passion for community development and and passion for um, you know safe safe streets that we could go on to the boredom of everybody trying to listen to us. But let me hear a little uh-huh. bit more about other things in our city that you have your eye on. Um, yes, Cindy. So, you know, we, we talked about traffic and connectivity. We talked about the system change and policy evaluation, which I think that using uh, geographic information system as a tool um, mm-hmm. to visualize um, not just our issues, but our opportunities, we can enhance our economic development. Um, I, I am a, I'm a firm believer. Uh, here's the thing. My platform, I'm going to tell you, is like six things on my platform. But they're not silos or stand-alone platforms. So one is traffic and connectivity. One is uh, system change and policy evaluation, sustainable growth, um, innovation and technology, the environment, and diversity and inclusion. The example that I provided to you earlier about we can track absolutely, we have, if we have the format, we can track absolutely everything through innovation and technology using geographic information system using our mapping system. Um, if you look, the city of Fort Myers created this economic, this uh, development opportunity map that you can look at and you can see what's coming for development, you know, what projects are underway, what projects are in permitting, what projects are completed. If we can do that so people can visualize where new apartments are going all that, we can do it with everything else. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the sheriff's office, um, you can track uh, crime and it's in the same fashion. So you can log in and you type in your address and then you can look at crime in your area. And that's exactly uh, how we have to, we can integrate absolutely every single uh, issue and every single opportunity. Um, so they all are part of a comprehensive plan. And when we talk about a comprehensive plan, we're not just talking about the growth and the, the um, community development as far as neighborhood development of our community. We have to look at everything. When you put layers of that, when you put the layers of traffic, when you put the layers of environmental um, uh, challenges and opportunities, when you put the layers of uh, maybe some social problems that we have, some crime and things like that. And then you look at growth of our city. We really can start looking at opportunities for community development, how to address some of our issues. And and I believe that because we're expanding and we are limited in how we grow, because we don't have anywhere else to go. Land is pretty much gone in the city of Fort Myers. There's very, very, very few parcels that are available is how we're going to do, how are we going to do redevelopment? How are we going to create this sustainable growth tool that incentivizes multi-use transportation, but that impacts everything else? So my platform is more um, big picture. I'm a big picture person, uh, but Mm -hmm. it integrates everything that's in my platform. We have the ability to do technology. Um, I was at a city council um, meeting a couple of weeks ago, and my current council person said, I want a spread, an Excel spreadsheet of our projects and, you know, for all of us to have them and know where we are and who's responsible and da-da-da-da-da. Why are we using spreadsheets? 
when you can uh, have it on your even even while they perfect the system before it, this can become um, a, a transparent uh, tool for the community to check mm -hmm. out. Why are we using spreadsheets? You know, that's, yeah. it's not that they're bad, but you they take somebody to go and update them and then send them back to you. Why don't you right. just use the system that you have to get it going? So um, that's kind of all part of, of, of my platform, just looking at the big picture of, of how we operate as a city. And that's gonna help us really revisit our budget and making mm -hmm. sure that we're allocating the resources responsibly. Yeah, I love that. And that's so important to me as, as a, an evaluator as well, um, using data to inform our decisions and using that information then to devise our budget to be more efficient and effective. And I think that's absolutely important. Um, I love the fact that you're talking about GIS and building those layers. The thing that I worry about with it, and, I'm, and you would probably even know better than me on this, but I worry that we don't have a robust system of data management overall beyond the city. I mean, just with partner oh, yeah. organizations, because um, those are de data intense projects. And, you know, my experience working with different organizations here is that we, we, we try to go into organizations and help them to develop these systems to be data informed and they they do not have the capacity and they haven't invested in it. And so it is, they are in spreadsheet land, if that. And the other thing that often happens is if they are connected to a state or federal organization that they have to do reporting on, they send that data into like an abyss for that reporting and we never get to use it. And so we're, we're investing in data and reporting, but not for the benefit of our own knowledge here. And it's, it's been a painful thing for me, but I would absolutely love to see the further development of those data systems for the data use, just like you're talking about. And, and you are absolutely correct in your statement about um, everybody's using this different, everybody's tracking something different, and, and we have... Uh, Lee County and all the other municipalities, and as you know, they're part of the Lee County Metropolitan Planning Organization. Uh -huh. um, what I have found that is interesting is that um, the Lee County MPO does not have a central database of yeah. all of this. So yeah. when we're making decisions, right, when there is a council meeting or an MPO meeting or, you know, uh, when you look at maps, you know, you have like a PDF map and it's on the screen and they give you a copy of it and, and then that kind of disappears and there's no word to track. And what I found out is that the municipalities aren't sharing the data with the MPO or they have a different format. And I actually have taken the job of um, getting the MPO to purchase GIS because they didn't have a full license. So they're actually are putting it in their budget for this coming uh, fiscal year. And then is saying, okay, municipalities, if you need me as me being just a community person that's just super engaged, saying, all right, let's all sit down and talk about the format, but we can talk about the format in the, you know, the, somebody's office, the city manager's office or the traffic engineer's office. We, we have to sit people at the table and say, the economic development um, uh, uh, branch of Lee County, because the city of Fort Myers does not have that. But, so let's look at things, uh -huh. what is important to everybody, and let's create a format that you may not have the entire set of data for everybody, but you have the opportunity to expand it and everybody's using the same format. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. when you're sharing the information, we're talking apples to apples, right? But you're right, it's kind of putting all that together, just looking at just the planning side of it, not anything else, has been like, I'm uncovering things that I'm like, wow, we're not there yet. <laughs> no, um, I know. No, no. So oh it's a my. challenge, it's a challenge, but I think it's a terrific opportunity. Trust me, trust me. Absolutely, and I agree, and I love that you, um, know so much about it and you have such, you know, value on it because that's what I've run up against. And that's why I love that you're running for city council because I know that when it comes time to budgeting 
for these processes and for the development of these processes and these alignments and for the investment in the the data management and infrastructure, you're somebody who's going to champion that because you actually fundamentally understand why we need it. And I love that. Right. Right. And I've been trying to engage, you know, the current council to understand that a little bit more, just kind of engaging them in conversation. And that's one of the other challenges that council does not get the education they need uh, from the city and from the community to understand this. So I would be a big proposer that training, education and development is at least a quarterly uh, program that council has to have addressing the issues that should be part of a strategic plan. So council does not necessarily need a workshop about something that is coming up and a hundred people showing up emotionally trying to stop the project Mm. because we already have an understanding of why this is important. Mm. Um, So that's all kind of part of the same equation. Uh, I I am, you know, my big picture is just big. It's just big, but I've seen what's to be inside and I've seen what is to be outside and we can do it. Yeah, we can, we can with your leadership for sure. So uh, let's take another little pivot here um, because clearly we can walk out on both, uh, you know, connectivity (laughs) and planning issues as well as data issues. But let's talk about something that's kind of really current right now. So we are still in the middle of uh, some, you know, movements across our country with the Black Lives Matter uh, after the murder of George Floyd. And there's a lot of discussion about police reform. And this definitely falls under the purview of City Council and Fort Myers. So can you tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on how we can continue to improve community and police relations in the Fort Myers uh, Police Department, as well as holding police officers accountable when things go wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, there's, 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 there are different, um, I think there are different ways of looking at this. I was actually today in a systemic racism uh, forum in and it was very interesting just understanding the history uh, of so many, you know, different races and so many different cultures. And I think that it first starts with education. So people understand, I mean, we're all part of the fabric of this country and this community, regardless of where we came from and we're all different and we have beautiful colors and we have beautiful accents and nationalities and all that. I see them all and I embrace them all. Um, When it comes to the police, um, I think that there's a lot of, uh, obviously, um, part of the conversation is making um, the officers accountable, right? If if they're not doing something that they should be doing. Um, But it's not just the officers that commit a crime, um, you know, given the, the, the recent incidents that have happened this year but also anyone that thinks that they can cover that up because they don't want to tell on their buddy, right? And, mm. and, and that will take a whole system change. For the city of Myers specifically, um, they do have an inspector general that, I was, that he was, has been hired recently to kind of oversee this transformation of the city of Myers police department. I mm. do believe that we have to support the police department in their transformation. We cannot expect things to change overnight or this defund the police or doing all of these things. Everybody's perspective is valid and all ideas are valid, but we have to really sit down and evaluate those to make sure that they're all inclusive of our entire community. One thing that I can say on on systemic racism and in all the changes that we have to have. So our city of Vermont's police department should have a mental evaluation, a, a, um, diversity and inclusion evaluation and training when you join the, the workforce and, and have some recurring you know, refreshers and trainings about this. Um, obviously, bringing this into the city of Fort Myers Police Department, into the city of Fort Myers period, but to the police department will be very significant. And mm-hmm. um, 
and 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 it will take a, a also evaluating of their policies to make sure that anything that we put in place that that stops some of these horrific acts um, are actually in line with their policies because if you if you look at some you know their procedures may not be aligned with it uh, and I think we have an opportunity to make some serious changes. I also think that. Um, we should have every community, you know, we, we have um, six wards in the city of Fort Myers. And we have this opportunity to have this, um, and, and, and I'm trying to brainstorm, and I've been thinking about how this will take place. You know, we have fire stations, and would we have an opportunity rather to have a different building, that these become like this uh, uh, center, like this hub where, uh, the police can include the community and then have have uh, their uh, community police there and um, offering services and doing things for the community so community are integrated and you have actually police force that are live in that community that understand mm -hmm. that community so mm -hmm. that separation stops happening mm -hmm. um, but but it's going to take um, it's going to take time. And it's, it's going to be a long process, and we have to be patient just even formulating the solutions. So if you work in government, everything moves. If you think moves, think moves slow in our world sometimes, be inside government. You will be, I told you about the sidewalk, just an example. That took four years. Um, so yeah. a lot of those changes are going to take a long time, um, uh, and we have to be really, really strategic about it. Yeah, I think you have to be strategic, and you have to have good management. Going back to like what you said about how there's no like centralized project management resource. Oh. Well, right, well, why right. not? We should absolutely have that. The just I want to share my thoughts on the police reform because you know I've read the. The free report several times. And one thing that stuck out to me in that is the relationship of leadership um, and culture within the police department. And this actually echoes some work that um, a friend of mine did out of uh, North Carolina A&T when he was researching police departments in North Carolina is that there is a tendency to either not have leadership development or do what happened in Fort Myers, which is um, use uh, they lost their leadership um, because of the cost savings. They they took people and they bought them out of their you know their their last couple of years to save a couple a uh, couple bucks and promote lower people up in the ranks. But what this ended up with was a whole police department that didn't really have uh, senior people that were measured um, leading the organization, and it kind of had the effect of making the culture kind of crumble and decay in ways that were very negative for the community and for the force itself. And like I said, this has been borne out in research in other places. So as much as I like, appreciate the battle cry of defund the police, I would rather take that energy and kind of pivot it to invest in the necessary areas. And one thing that I advocate for that is participatory budgeting on a community level. So understanding thoroughly the community wants and needs and then having the community help to allocate where the funds need to go in that. But you still have to be very strategic in the, the way that you develop a police force de uh, department budget so that you're not essentially undercutting the culture because there's a finite amount of resources. It's really reallocating roles, responsibilities, and duties in different ways that are more aligned with what the community needs and wants in that area. And so there's a revisioning um, as to what it means to be a police officer and what it means, what the, their purview and their scope of work ends up being as well. Um, and that's just, you know, that's, again, it's, it's a very slow moving process. I absolutely appreciate that, but that's um, just some additional things uh, from my consideration. My point, my opinion on that is that we really do need um, leadership development, community involvement, and an alignment of all of that in order for us to get what we want in our community. Yeah, I, I, I will have to agree with you. And, and let's think for a minute that when we, and the city 
is just like any other organization, right? When you look at it as a structure, if I have employees and I work with them and, 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 and make sure that everything that I need for them to have, their, for them to do their job is in place and they're being evaluated and also rewarded accordingly, yep. you will have uh, the, the service and the response towards the community that you're investing in your employees. This this yep. uh, this this connotation that because you're a government employee, you you know I pay my taxes pay for for you to do your job, and and it isn't like that. It is, we can't yep. we have to stop looking at things in that manner. Yep, yep. You have to cultivate that leadership. So yep. yeah, fantastic. Thanks for t for taking the time to to speak on that. I know it's really not the the it's not our wheelhouse, so to speak. Because <laughs> criminal justice reform stuff is you know right. we I think you and I are much more comfortable in this uh, you know uh, policy planning uh, evaluation space. So I appreciate you going there because I think it's really timely and people want to hear about that. But we're right. coming up on time here. So before we we end here today, I want to hear. The pitch, the pitch for Diana to become our next city council woman in Fort Myers. So tell us, give us the pizzazz, the excitement. What is going to get people out and vote for you? So ready? Tell us. All right. I am Diana Giraldo. I am your councilwoman for city of Fort Myers, Ward 6. Proven, dynamic, diverse leadership. I have eight years of experience as a city employee in community development, 20 years of relevant experience in the public and private sector. I have a um, bachelor's in architecture and urban design and a, man and a master's in management. Um, and I, I'm also bilingual. I have the leadership background and experience we need to move forward. Again, I'm Diana Giraldo, and I am your councilwoman for City of Fort Myers, Ward 6. Beautiful. Absolutely fantastic. And so after listening to this fantastic discussion that we've had here today, and you hear how committed and knowledgeable Diana is about um, helping our city, uh, Diana, tell us how people can, can get involved with your campaign and what it is that you need. Uh, well, thank you, Cindy. Yeah, so... Um, one of the things that I'm doing is you know, we're super active in social media platforms, but I also have my website is dianaforward6.com and I am listening. So the, one of the first things that you see is like, I'm listening, ask me a question. One of the things that I'm doing, I'm answering questions and I'm posting videos um, online as, as those questions come up. And the other part of it is, is that we have to support the diversity that we need um, that is representative of the fabric of, of our community. I am the first Latina to run for city office at the city of Fort Myers, and I'll be the first Latina elected as the city of Fort Myers Council. Uh, running a campaign, as you know, is hard and is difficult. This is a pure grassroots campaign. I am not receiving any special interest money, and I, I do need the support of the community. So if anyone believes in the vision, they can check out um, my experience, everything that backs up um, uh, my background and, and my desire to make this community great. So if anyone wants to donate, if anyone goes to the website, they can see that in the word, I have a map there and they can vote for me, they can learn more, they can reach out. Um, so those are the, the ways that people can actually support the change that we need. Absolutely, so tell us that website again. DianaForward6.com. And it's the number four or F-O-R? F-O-R. F-O-R, Word 6. Okay, good. Word the six. last question on this, to, just to tell us again when your election is. So uh, the primary is August 18th. And, and this the, is an open primary? Yes, this is a nonpartisan um this is a nonpartisan race and it's an open primary uh, and there are other candidates that are running. So I really need the support of this community. I need to cast the vote so I can claim 51% of the votes and I can become the next city council for Ward 6. 
All right, great. So that is the primary. And anybody who's a registered voter, is it in just in Ward 6? Correct. Yeah, those are these are specific of the ward in the city of Fort Myers. So only the people that live in the ward can actually vote. But great. nobody, so but you don't have to live in the ward to support me. Absolutely. That's a good point. Right. So everybody right. can support Diana, but you have to be in the dis in the ward to vote for her. You need to be registered. The deadline to register to vote is coming up on July 20th. So make sure you get that. Also make sure that you get your vote by mail, get your vote by mail, just in case you can still, if you feel comfortable and everything is great with the, with the coronavirus at the time, you can go to the, the polls on August 18th, but you, uh, all you have to do is take that back with you. Um, but you can uh, definitely want to have that vote by mail just in case you need it. Um, and you can send it in to vote for Diana and also me. I'm also on the ballot. You have to be a registered Democrat to vote for me. Um, anybody who lives in uh, District 19 in Southwest Florida, that's Boca Grande all the way to Marco Island, uh, will uh, be able to vote for me if you are registered as a Democrat. But anyone, regardless of their party affiliation, uh, that lives in Ward 6, uh, can vote for Diana on August 18th. So thanks once again, Diana, for being with us. Diana Geraldo, um, running for Fort Myers City Council, Ward 6, fantastically um, wonderful talented, experienced um, person on the technical side of government and planning, architecture, sustainable development. She really does it all. And I was so honored to have you here with us today, Diana. Thank you. Cindy, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm super grateful for you. And uh, let's get this election and let's get moving forward because we really need this change. I appreciate your time and the opportunity to be here with you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Cindy Speaks. If you'd like to learn more about her campaign, go to cindybenye.com or connect with her directly at vote at cindybenye.com. We love connecting with people. Contents of this podcast are paid for and approved by friends of Sandy Benye.